My name's Angelo and welcome back to We Want Picks. I'm going to break down the entire UFC Sao Paulo fight card, giving you my picks, predictions, and bets. But before I do, let's take a look at the resounding success that was UFC 294. And before you put on your hater cap and say everybody did well at UFC 294, no, they didn't. There were way too many people parlaying Nathaniel Wood, Jubilee, doing the under rounds on Dudakova, Trevor Peak inside the distance. Lots of people trying to get better value and chasing props that absolutely fell flat on their faces, but not us. I'm up units. I hit every single bet instead of the Abu Zaitar chase there. Jacob absolutely dominated his bets. His underdog lock of the week was Muhammad Naimov. That hit at plus 270. That's almost a three to one dog. He went 10 and one on picks and the safety parlay hit Yet again, overall, the safety parlay, this is for premium members only, but overall, the safety parlay is a resounding success. It is up 20.61 units all time. We've only been doing it 11 months. So that equates to almost, well, not almost, more than two units of net profit every month. Two units of net profit every month from one single parlay that I put up there for premium members. But we weren't the only ones who did well. Our community, our premium members dominated as well. $86,000 in profit from the premium members only. I will never show a ticket here that is not from a premium member. Every single one of these people went out of their way to share these tickets, tag us in them, throw them in the Discord and say, I'm part of this community. Look what I got. And it's absolutely amazing what the community is able to do. You can join the Discord. That's 100% free. You can pick people's banes, share your bets, get opinions from other people and go from there. That link is in the description. But if you're a premium member and you're in the Discord, you get access to different channels. You also get access to everything at wewantpicks.com, including the line movement tracker. This is going to give you the opening odds, the current odds, the win probability, and the line movement for every single fighter on every single card. This card, it's coming up in two weeks. We're a week early here. Has one single fighter that went from an underdog to a favorite. That is Armin Petrosian. Open as a slight dog and is continuing to move well into favorite hood, but seven different fighters have had 20% line movement or more. You're also going to get the detailed data metrics and analytics. This is 38 columns of information that you can use to identify prop bets that make sense, to identify bets that make sense, and use this data to just be a better, better. That makes sense. One has an E, one has an O. You're also going to get a DraftKings optimizer. If you don't know what DraftKings Fantasy is, well, this is a tool that will build DraftKings Fantasy lineups for you. It'll build over 150 lineups for you. And we have had more than one massive winning ticket that was built from this lineup. And again, if you don't know what it is, you can just click on more in the menu and then courses. And we have a full course walking you through exactly what DraftKings Fantasy is, how to play it, how much money you should spend, and what you should do with it. You're also going to get more than just me, more than Baby Red. You're going to get Runny Mouth MMA. There are three of them giving you picks and predictions and bets. You're going to get Artem, who's breaking down not only UFC, but PFL, Bellator, LFA, all the regional shows as well, and the Pick Doctor. He is a nuclear physicist that has developed an AI that picks fights based purely off of data and no human input whatsoever. All of that the safety parlay, our bets, everything that I mentioned is included for only $10 a month. The profits from UFC 294 paid for multiple years of people's membership. Sign up now. We want picks.com. Just click become a member at the top. Don't forget.
every single UFC pay-per-view. We do a vlog, right? We go out on the day, do what we're going to do. Jacob comes over, we cook some food, we watch the fights, and we open up fan mail. I don't want to say fan. Fan makes it sound like I'm somebody. I'm not. But we open up fan mail. Last time, somebody sent us a couple of shirts. I have a feeling um, somebody was asking what my spice tolerance level was and uh, what the address was. So I have a feeling I am... My uh, rectum is not going to enjoy this next one. But here's the address if you want to send something in those vlogs on the live streams. We will open this stuff up and run through it. And finally, if you're saying, hey, where the hell were you guys? Where was all the UFC 294 content? I did my one and only quick pick video, this video. The rest of the content we put on our other channel, Picks Nation. Make sure you follow all of our stuff, subscribe to all of our stuff. We did that on purpose. We want to grow that channel as well. We have 18,000 subscribers here. Probably gonna close the year out at 20 or almost 20,000 subscribers. We want the other platforms to be as big so that when we put stuff out there, we can reach everybody as quickly as possible in the medium that you like. All the links to everything are in the description, but it is at, we want picks at all the stuff except the other YouTube channel. That is Picks Nation. That's enough promo. There's always going to be some dolt in the comments section that's like, <laughs> fast forward to seven minutes and 34 seconds. I put chapters in here, pal. There's chapters for that reason. Let's go break down the early UFC Sao Paulo fight card. If you're watching this and it is fight week or the day of the fights, the day before the fights, I, I'm positive this video is old and there are multiple new videos breaking down this card because there's a week off, but let's go ahead and break it down. Opening up UFC Sao Paulo, we have Victor Hugo taking on Daniel Marcos. And Daniel Marcos is pretty solid at 15 and 0. This guy's an effective striker. He's got power. He's got accuracy. Does a really nice job stringing together combinations and marching forward. He's going to throw one twos. He's going to follow that up with flying knees and elbows. His takedown defense is solid at 89%. He's got eight knockouts and seven decisions. So we know that he's dangerous, but we also know that he's got three full rounds of cardio. He's coming off that decision win over Davy Grant, where honestly, he looked a little low volume and didn't really do that much in that fight. He's taking on Victor Hugo. This guy's a really big guy. He bounces between weight classes. He has fought everywhere from bantamweight, which is where this fight is, all the way up to welterweight. He is a wild striker. He's going to come forward. He's going to bomb away. He does have some power. Just like his wild and aggressive striking, so is his grappling. His grappling is also wild and aggressive. He's going to get takedowns and then chase submissions, even if that means losing a position. He's coming off the Contender Series submission just two weeks ago, which come fight night will be about four weeks. So definitely short notice. This is a tough fight to pick because Daniel Marcos looked terrible in that last fight. And Victor is stepping up on short notice. If Daniel comes out low volume the way that he did against Davey, he could absolutely lose this fight because Victor's not the type of guy to wait around. But if he comes forward, he strings together combinations, that 89% takedown defense holds up. Daniel Marcos is going to be 16-0 at the end of this night, especially against a short-notice guy. Although Victor does have 28 fights, so he's not like an 8-0, 6-0 contender series prospect. He has 28 fights. This might be too much too soon. Flying the Brazil UFC debut enemy. The Brazilian crowd is a hostile crowd when it comes to their opponents. So this is going to be an interesting fight. I do think Daniel Marcos is going to get it done, but I would say medium-level confidence in that pick because he did not look great in his last fight then we have Kwai Fernandez taking on Mark DeCasey Kwai Fernandez 
is a loose, powerful striker. He's going to bounce on his toes, stay outside the pocket, and then he's going to lunge in with speed and power. And like so many fighters at that Novin Yao fight camp, he's got slick BJJ and solid takedown defense as well. He does get flashy with his striking, but he's comfortable. And when he's focused, he can be technical as well. He's taking on Mark DeCasey. This guy's a very good kickboxer who lately has become a bit of a wrestler. Striking-wise, he's got a ton of power. He sets everything up with leg kicks and body shots. He is a guy who likes to invest in the legs and the body early to slow you down. Wrestling-wise, which is newer to him uh, in the octagon, he's got 21 takedowns in his last four fights with 29 minutes of control time. He's coming up the loss to Joel Alvarez, where he was throwing a lot of spinning nonsense. Felt a little bit out of character for him, but he did throw with power. Right now, Mark DeCasey is a minus 170 favorite, and I don't know why. I don't know why. At one point, he was a fast technical striker, but lately, he's too scared to strike. He's looking to grapple most of the time. And yes, his wrestling is decent at best. And Fernandez, I think, has a takedown defense to keep this fight standing. So we have a UFC debut, which is always a little, little dicey in and of itself. But he's got very good takedown defense. Taking on a guy who's not fighting at home, who's been wrestling lately. His last fight that he was striking and not wrestling, he was spinning around in circles like a top. I'm going to go with Kwai Fernandez here. He's a plus 145 underdog. I just, you know, obviously the experience edge is going to go to Mark. The striking will go to Mark, but his striking did not look good in his last fight. He's just been looking to wrestle. These Novin Yao guys are not bums. These, it's like shoot a box with better jujitsu and not as aggressive. So give me Kwai Fernandez at plus 145. I do have a small underdog bet on him. And maybe that's some recency bias, but I am just not seeing the Mark DeCasey uh, almost two-to-one favorite here. Then we have Lucas Alexander taking on David Onama. Lucas Alexander is a powerful striker. He likes to showcase. He uses kicks really well to manage range, and then he's going to explode inside the pocket. He's got solid takedown defense where he can scramble and end up on top. He does have big power. He does have a diverse striking style. He's got solid training partners, and when his cardio holds up, he can be a very real threat. He's coming off his first UFC win over Steve Peterson where he got his kicks going. He defended four takedowns and he almost quadrupled Steve's uh, strikes in that fight. And he had a knockdown. He's taking on David Onama. This guy's hot and cold. He's a very, very dangerous guy. He's a kickboxer who likes to plot forward, control the pace. He's got a real long jab, and he's constantly throwing that out there. But he does tend to throw just one or two punches at a time, unless he's in the clinch. And then he's very busy with knees and elbows. If you can back him up, and if you can use volume, you can get him out of rhythm. He's coming off that second round knockout over Gabriel Santos, where he did give up two takedowns, but he controlled the striking this is another weird, odd situation. I'm surprised that David Onama is the, you know, the the three to one favorite here. He's obviously very good kickboxer, but he also has a negative striking differential. He's hit with almost six significant strikes per minute, and he's got some pretty terrible takedown defense. If Lucas was more of like an actual offensive wrestler, I would be all over him here. But even though he's not shooting constantly, and we haven't really seen much of that at all out of him in the UFC. He is going to come forward. He does have some solid striking. He's got some good power, and he's fighting at home. I think Lucas can pull this off, especially on home turf. The early lean is going to be Lucas, but as the fight gets closer, I, I might ease off of that. But right now, 
watching the tape, breaking it down. I'm, I'm feeling good about Lucas Alexander. I feel like this UFC Sao Paulo card is going to be somewhat similar to UFC 294. The only difference was UFC 294 had a lot of uh, those Middle Eastern fighters were the favorites. We've got a bunch of Brazilians here that are not favorites, and I'm liking them in some of these underdog spots. Lucas Alexander is one of them. Low confidence for now. We'll see how it goes when fight gets closer. Then we have Montserrat Ruiz taking on Eduarda Mora. Montserrat Ruiz, we've broken her down several times. She is a national wrestling champion. She loves to come forward. She loves to wrestle. Once she gets the takedown, she throws a lot of strikes and she likes to maintain control. While she is an accomplished wrestler, she is very hittable. Her striking on her feet is not very good and she can get touched up. She's coming off that TKO loss to Jacqueline Amorim where she was taken down several times. And while she got her own takedown, it was more of a catch the leg than anything. She's taking on Eduardo Mora. She's taking uh, her UFC debut. She's undefeated. She's a grappler, got solid takedowns and submissions. She's aggressive with her grappling and she wastes absolutely no time just coming across the cage, initiating a takedown and then working from there. Her striking is a bit sloppy, but like so many others, it's just there to set up takedowns. And she's coming off a contender series win in August. I, I got to lean Eduardo here. I mean, there's not enough tape to like confidently say, oh, 100% she's going to dominate this fight. But I do think she's going to win. Montserrat has all the wrestling credentials on paper, but we haven't seen the actual execution of that yet. There's only one fight where she really got a wrestling going and she was just hitting a side headlock like a six-year-old the whole time. So we have Montserrat Ruiz who got taken down more times than she took her opponent down in her last fight. The only takedown she had was catching a kick. Her offensive striking is not very good. I can't really trust her on short notice, which it is for her. So I think Mora comes in. I think she aggressively shoots, and I think she's got some early success. Her line is juiced. Do not touch it. Absolutely do not touch Eduardo Mora's line at these current odds UFC debut. We'll see. Maybe that'll tighten, and uh, maybe we can trust Montserrat to go out there and actually wrestle because all of a sudden, Montserrat Ruiz, a three-to-one dog. I might look at a plus three-and-a-half bet. Jacob did a plus three-and-a-half bet on Jin Yu Fry, and that cash, because everybody was insisting Victoria Dudakova was going to finish, and that Victoria Dudakova sucks. So does SD Dumas. Both won. So does Trevor Peak. All three of them won, and they all three suck. Those were bad bets if you bet on them, even if it cashed. Then we have Angela Hill taking on Denise Gomes. Angela Hill, tried and true. 15 and 13, not the greatest record, but she has fought a bunch of killers. She has fought upper echelon fighters, maybe top 25, let's say, maybe top 15, for the last 10 years. That's all she's been doing is fighting better women in the division. She's a high IQ veteran, and she fights like one. Mostly a striker, uses her speed, her volume, lots of versatility, really no power whatsoever. But she is talented. She has become sort of the gatekeeper, the measuring stick of the weight class. You can always count on her to come out there, fight her hard out. She's never really going to get blown out. She's never really going to destroy somebody. She's, it's always going to be a back and forth-ish fight. She is good everywhere. She's not really a threat. Her path to victory in this fight and every other fight she's ever been in is stick and move. Avoid the power, avoid takedowns, and exploit some rookie-type mistakes. She's coming off that main event loss to Mackenzie Dern where surprisingly, it's not surprising she lost. It was surprising that she was outstruck. Mackenzie Dern pieced her up on the feet. And obviously, of course, she was outgrappled, but that part was expected. She's taking on Denise Gomes. She's a striker who can grapple as well. 
She can be hittable, but she's incredibly tough and never out of a fight. She's going to continue to come forward, bite down, and bomb away. It takes her a few minutes to get going, but once she's dialed in, she picks up the pace and has no problem taking one to give one. She works in kicks well. She can be dangerous on the ground also. She's coming off the massive, massive upset win over Yasmin Garyui where she got the knockout finish in just 20 seconds. I was there for that fight. Literally, as I was walking into the arena, we just heard, Wah! and I look up, and I was like, holy shit, Denise Gomez just knocked out Yasmin Yaryui. So, pressure doesn't bother her. Anytime Angela Hill fights, she could play spoiler. Anytime. Because she is very durable. She's a, got a well-rounded skill set, high fight IQ, a, a very long resume. She's durable. As I mentioned, she's always in shape. She has almost 30 fights of experience. But with all of that being said, she's not dangerous. She's 38 years old. She can't defend takedowns as well as she should be able to. And I think the 15-year younger Denise Gomes is going to have some night-ending power. She's going to have the takedowns. I think she's got all the tools. Maybe she won't put Angela Hill away because that's not something people really do. But I think Denise Gomes is going to get it done. She showed us that pressure means nothing like that Yasmin fight. She was like a 4-1, to 5-1 to one dog in that fight. Didn't care. It meant nothing. She still came forward, bombed away. Uh, I threw a half a unit on her at minus 141, and that odds, uh, those odds have already moved. If you're a premium member, you saw those. If you like it, great. If you don't, that's fine too, but at least you see it nice and early. That bet's been on the board for four days or so. If you're not a premium member, it's only $10 a month. Just go to wewantpicks.com, click become a member at the top. You instantly have access to 20 things that you will not get anywhere else. Wewantpicks.com, click become a member. That takes us to Eliza Zaleski taking on Renat Fakradinov. I love Renat. You're going to get a bias breakdown from me, but Eliza is, uh, he's no slouch. He's a capoeira striker, meaning that dance, Brazilian dance striking. He's going to spin. He's going to jump. He's going to do all the wild stuff, but he does have some very real power. He is wildly athletic. He can be dangerous on the ground as well. He's very busy and active in that striking. He's constantly moving. He does have real power. He does have real athleticism. He does have real cardio, and that makes him a dangerous guy. He's coming off that close win over a Bubakar Namagomedov where he was taken down, but he had success striking. He's taking on Renat Fakhradinov. This guy's a non-stop wrestler. He will throw bombs on his feet. He is willing to strike. He's constantly pressuring forward. He's throwing big one-twos. Then he's just bending over, grabbing legs, and working in a takedown. When he gets on top, he's going to pound away. He's looking for a TKO more than a submission. He is coming off that submission win over Kevin Lee that forced Kevin Lee straight in to retirement. They didn't do the Brazilian any favors in this matchup at all. At all. I love Renat here. You guys know I've been very high on him in the past, so hopefully I'm not letting my biases cloud. I think I have bet on Renat in every single one of his UFC fights, and obviously I've cashed because he hasn't lost in the UFC just yet. I, I just It's not going to change here. If anything, I like him even more now. We saw his power in his last fight, his insane wrestling in the fight before that. And until he hits the top 10 of the division, I don't see him having any issues with Zaleski or most of these other people. So Renat's going to be the pick. I think he's absolutely safe to parlay, even in enemy territory. That takes us to Elves Brenner, who's fighting Esteban Rivovics. If you remember, Elves Brenner was the big, the big underdog win in the summer. Anyway, 
Ellis Brenner is a grappler. He reminded us all in the summer that he's got some very big power in his hands. He's got a loose striking style where he's basically just buying time and avoiding being hit. His goal is always get you against the cage, work you to the ground. He's going to throw bombs in the pocket. He is athletic enough to mix in kicks and spinning techniques as well. But you can tell he's not a striker. He's going to turn away when he comes in. He's going to look uncomfortable. He's always backing up. He never really looks settled. But however... If he is able to get it to the ground, he's very, very dangerous. And obviously, we know he's got big power in his hands. He's coming off that massive upset win over Garam, where he did have a few takedowns. He was likely going to lose a decision, though. And then he found that big power in the third round. He's taking on Esteban Rebovics. This guy's an impressive striker with sneaky power. His strikes are tight. They're short. They're accurate. He's got a high, tight guard, and he works forward picking his Shots and despite his impressive knockout highlights, he isn't just a striker. He's got some solid takedown, solid BJJ as well. He's going to shoot clean doubles. He's going to use upper body trips. He's going to get you to the ground and then immediately look to snatch something up. He's coming off that decision win over Kamuela Kirk, where he dominated the striking, but he was taken down three times. This is a tricky fight to pick because I think Esteban is the overall better fighter and should win this fight, but his takedown defense is a bit rough. He's been taken down 14 times in his last two fights and even though his takedown accuracy is a very low 20% Elves is going to stick with a grappling game plan. you can trust him to just shoot 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 I'm still going to pick Rebovix here because I think the striking gap is really wide but I'm going to wait before I throw a bet on anything he is plus money right now um, so you know I may take a shot I already took a shot. Half a unit plus 113 on Rebovix. So we'll wait before I load more money. We'll wait for the props. But I did throw half a unit on him at plus 113 underdog because I was worried the line was going to move. I think Elves is getting a little too much credit for that. Garam, great win. Garam's phenomenal. That, that Not taking anything away from it. But that win was closer to fluke than it was to he dominated Garam. I think he's getting a little too much credit for that. So I'm going Esteban Ryubix, who I think is the much better striker, and I think his jiu-jitsu and all that is good enough to not get taken down, beaten up, submitted, all that. So half a unit on Esteban Ryubix at 113, but I am going to wait before I do anything else with it, and we're going to see what happens with the uh, with the odds and the props and all that. If you're a premium member, you saw the bet. Again, if you liked it, you hopped on. If you didn't, then don't. Don't ever... Obviously, we're pushing premium. We've got almost three. We'll have 3,000 members before the year is up. And things are going well. But that doesn't mean just copy whatever bet is on the board, right? If you see a bet and it's two fighters' names you have never seen, you have no idea who they are, don't bet on it. What are you doing? What are you doing? Don't bet on it. Now, if you see a bet, you're like, you know what? That actually makes sense. I, I, hear, I see what Jacob's saying. Then great, go for it. If you see a bet... And you're like, uh, I just don't see a world where Esteban Rebovix wins, but Angelo says he will. No, don't copy that. We on Picks.com, click become a member. You'll unlock everything. Not just mine, not just Jacobs, but Artem, the three people at Running Mouth, the Pick Doctor. And we do have a new analyst that we will be bringing on board, hopefully right before this event happens. Then we have Vitor Petrino taking on Modestus Bukowskis. Both of these men put this graphic in their Instagram story when I posted it to Instagram. So thank you to them. Vitor Petrino, this guy's a monster. He's got a wild left hook. He's a dangerous striker. He is evolving into a grappler, though. He's had 11 takedowns in his last two fights. His takedown defense is just okay, but he does a nice job working his way up and avoiding danger. He was in a full triangle on the Contender Series, and he did his best Rampage Jackson, or now Muhammad Makayev impression, to slam his way out. 
He's going to be a problem for a lot of people, but he does need to button some things up. He's coming off that win over Marcin Prochnia, where he had four takedowns and a late submission. He's taking on Modestus Bukowskis, who's a very versatile striker. He's dangerous on his feet. He can be a bit low volume, which is why he's got that negative striking differential, but he has all the tools to be successful in the UFC. He's got a 75% takedown defense, and up until February, which wasn't that long ago, he had never been taken down in the UFC. He is coming off that close win over Zach Pauga, where he landed fewer strikes and he was taken down. I think this fight is going to be closer than the odds. Right now, Petrino's almost a 3-1 to one favorite. And while I do think he wins this fight, so he's going to be the pick, he can be sloppy at times and he can leave himself open. Anton Turkals, who borderline sucks, took him down five times and he landed more total strikes. Marcin Prochniow has no takedowns, but he can double Petrino's strikes here. I don't think... Bukaskis has the power to end this fight, but he's savvy. He's tested. Petrino's going to be the pick, but I will avoid bets on this fight. I'm not going to touch this fight at all. I don't even care what the props are. This is a weird fight that all of a sudden Petrino could knock Bukaskis out early, or it could be a sloppy 15 minute. I'm not touching anything about it. Vitor Petrino, the amount of takedowns he gets in one fight compared to the fight, but there's just too many variables here to confidently put my, any money on this fight. This is what happened to a lot of people at 294. They they saw the fight. They go, okay, I think I think this guy's going to win. Trevor Peak's going to win. Victoria is going to win. Three to one favorite, four to one favorite on some books. I think she's going to win, but I need better odds. Let me do inside the distance. Let me do under the run. Then they chased and none of those cashed. This feels like that fight. The odds are not good. People are going to get proppy with it and anything could happen in this fight. So I'm probably going to go ahead and avoid that. Then we have Kyle Baralo taking on Abus Magomedov. Kyle Baralo is a very slick grappler. He's got solid submissions, well-timed takedowns. He has a long stance and very loose on the feet where he explodes in the double legs. He's got belts in both judo and jiu-jitsu, and he uses all of those techniques in his fights. Kyle is quickly becoming a contender at 185 pounds, but despite how dominant some of these wins appear on paper, they are close. Think about what I said about Muhammad Makayev last week where I was like, the kid's winning, the kid's dominant, you're going to see submission, 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 but those fights get a little dicey at times. Kyle Baralo is sort of in that same boat. He's taking on Abus Magomedov. This guy's a powerful striker, a versatile striker. He does have wrestling as well. He's got that sneaky power because he doesn't load up. It doesn't look like he's throwing big shots, but when he connects, some people get put down, and he's a long striker. He does a great job using his length to counter, and he keeps people at the end of his strikes. He's going to throw everything from tight hooks to head kicks, and even though he can be hittable, he recognizes that if he's on the wrong end of some exchanges, he will shoot some double legs and try to get it to the ground. He's coming off that knockout loss, though, to Son Strickland, where he was a pretty big favorite. I don't know if a boost was fraud-checked. You youngsters, you kids, get off my yard. Love talk fraud-check, cope. Cope, I, dude, cope, that drives me nuts. Half of these idiots saying cope, that wasn't like coping and there wasn't even a word in their vocabulary and they I probably couldn't spell it. Now it's just like cope, bro, cope much? I hate kids. Anyway, so Abus might've been fraud checked. I don't know, right? We don't know if he's grossly overrated or if Sean Strickland is just that much better than we have typically given credit for, especially given that he's currently the champion. Because prior to the Strickland fight, I would have picked Abus in this matchup. Kyle's striking is not great. Abus not only has power, but he's got takedown defense and range management as well, which he can use to keep Kyle far away. But after that Strickland loss, I have doubts now. The prick is probably going to be Kyle here because 
at the very least, I can still trust Kyle to shoot takedowns and come forward, potentially get a close homer decision in Brazil. Kyle feels like a weird parlay buster here. I'm going to be staying far, far away from him betting-wise. And all of a sudden, uh, and a boost three and a half or something like that might make some sense. So we're two weeks out. I'm going to see what happens with the lines. We're going to look at the props. We'll, we'll, I'll look at all that and see if I want to make something happen here. But I don't know if I trust free spirit to get this done. His fights have been pretty close when they shouldn't have been. And a boost just got knocked out. Like there's so much going on in this fight. It's a great fight. It's great matchmaking because UFC was basically like, all right, let's find out how good you guys are. Because they both, they're either both terrible and have been lucky or they're both very good. And either way, we should end up with a pretty fun fight. But Kyle's going to be the pick, but low confidence in that. And then we have the first of two Bonfim brothers on this card. We have Ishmael Bonfim taking on a from hell, Vince Bichelle. And despite being what you youngsters just called a boost, Fraud checked. Ishmael Bonfim is the real deal. Yes, he was fraud checked. He, he got smoked. Like, he got his ass kicked. But he's still very good. He's a wild striker. He's got some real power. He's got no regard for straight punches. He comes forward. He throws every single one of these punches as if he's just launching a baseball. He's going to mix in flying knees, the occasional takedown as well. When he takes his time, he can be accurate, powerful, have solid defense. He actually has some very good boxing experience, professional boxing experience, high-level BJJ experience. But he is coming off the destruction by Benoit St. Denis. He's taking on from hell, Vince Pichel. And as I mentioned before, not only does he have an absolutely awesome nickname, that really is an awesome nickname, but he's pretty good. He's a solid striker. He's going to move in and out. He's got lots of movement. Picks his shots well. I'm not going to say that he's technical, but he does time things well. He also has solid offensive wrestling, and he averages three takedowns per fight. But what's most surprising is that even though he's a very good offensive wrestler, he gets taken down pretty easily. His takedown defense is an abysmal 23%, and he has been taken down 23 times in the UFC. Coming off that decision loss to Mark Madsen more than a year ago. That guy's an Olympian, so... Maybe those takedowns weren't a big deal, but the 20 others were a bit telling. And listen, Vince Bichel, that mustache tells you everything you need to know. Hey, look, Don Fry is back. And that's how he fights. He's a tough, gritty guy, but he's also 41 years old. He's 40 in like 11 months. 41 years old. He's coming back after 18 months away. Like this, These are not recipes for success in the very unforgiving UFC. Ishmael's lost to Benoit. I don't think he was fraud checked. I think that loss says more about how good Benoit is than it does about how overrated Ishmael is. We, Benoit is a beast. A special forces assassin in real life that is now fighting in a cage. And that dude's a killer. And he came in here and he beat the brakes off of Ishmael Bonfim. And it is what it is. But again, I think it just tells us how good he is and not that Ishmael is not very good. I think Ishmael is going to be literally better everywhere in this fight. My one and only concern is that he does tire himself out early chasing finishes and somehow Vince Pichel could pull it off if Ishmael's tired and tried a little too hard. But Ishmael's going to be the pick. I think a Bonfim brother parlay, spoiler alert, could be a solid parlay as well. So I'm going to stick with Bonfim here. 41 years old against a young up-and-comer in his enemy territory. Like, There's just too much working against Vince Pichel here. Then we have Rodolfo Vieira taking on Armin 
Petrosian. Rodolfo Vieira is a freak. This guy is a freak athlete. He's got incredible BJJ, world-level BJJ competitor. He's got more than one international title. He's incredibly explosive with his takedown attempts. His technique can get the best of him, meaning he doesn't have the best takedowns. The technique's not super clean, but he's just so fast, so athletic, so strong that he's just, boom, double legs right through you. His game plan is typically going to be get it to the ground, and then work from there. And he can definitely have some success on his feet with clean striking. We saw that in the Chris Curtis fight. He's coming off that win over Cody Brundage where he was dropped early twice. It looked like Cody Brundage had that guy out of there. But he did show us how tough he is. He got a takedown and then a submission the second round. And what's incredible about that is Rodolfo has been pretty um, vocal about, I don't like fighting. I don't like getting hit. I don't like hitting people. I don't like fighting. But that dude took those shots, got wobbled, didn't quit. Like, he dropped and he didn't quit. He survived, came back, got his takedown, and submitted. That says a lot about a guy, especially a guy who's like, I don't like fighting. So, good for him. Anyway, there's that little rant about Rodolfo Vieira. He's taking on Armin Petrosian. This guy's a fun striker. He's got a professional kickboxing background. He can be a bit of a brawler at times, and he does rely on his chin. He doesn't have the best takedown defense, but he has incredible scramble and get-up skills. He's coming off that decision win over Christian Leroy Duncan, where he showcased just good old-fashioned technique while Christian was just spinning around in circles trying to be flashy. This is another great matchmaking-type fight because despite the razor-thin odds, Armin Open as an underdog is currently a favorite. He's moved all the way to minus 127. So despite the odds and uh, that line movement, this could go either way. We either have Rodolfo running a blast double, getting an early sub, or Armin defends a couple of sloppy takedown attempts and then just pieces Rodolfo up. Frankly, whoever wins this fight is going to look like a 10 to 1 favorite. I don't think this is back and forth. I think whoever wins is going to look like, yeah, of course, of course, Armin Petrosian was going to knock out Rodolfo Vieira. Cody Brundage almost did. Or, of course, Rodolfo Vieira submitted Armin Petrosian. This guy's a world champion. Like, what were we thinking? I think one of those two things will be said after this fight is said and done. I'm not confident in either one. It goes one direction or the other. I don't know which direction it's going to go, though, because this could be a very interesting fight to see who initiates their game plan and who gets stuff going. We've seen Rodolfo's toughness. Armin's pretty absolutely terrible on the ground. So I'm going to lean Rodolfo here. But, you know, as soon as these props drop, the only thing that's going to make sense is does not go the distance. I'm sure it's going to be juiced, but your book probably allows you to parlay that. I think parlaying that this does not go the distance is the way to go. We've seen Rodolfo get stupid tired and finished. Armin Petrosian's ground game, not very good. I don't think this goes the distance. One of these guys is going to have a rough night. Fingers crossed we get a two and a half round line and we can just go ahead and hit the under at decent money. Then we have Rodrigo Nascimento taking on Dantel Maze. Rodrigo Nascimento is a grappler at heart. He's got solid submissions. He occasionally will get sucked into a striking match, though. His path to victory is usually that grappling. He's an initiated by marching forward, throwing punches, working a clinch. He's averaging almost two takedowns per fight. He's got a solid 75% takedown defense, and he's coming off that close decision win over Alir Latifi, where he was taken down twice but he was the much busier and much better striker. He's taking on Dantel Mays. This guy's a very good boxer with heavy hands. He's got solid footwork. He sets up his combinations well. He's going to march forward. 
One another one of these guys that just throws everything with 100% intent. Everything from leg kicks to overhands. He's not a wrestler, but he does have seven takedowns in the UFC. And he's coming off that knockout win over Andre Arlovsky, where he was a step behind that entire fight until he landed that big punch. Basically, let's call him Derek Lewis 1.5. Not 2.0. 2.0 would imply that like he's got some really great offensive wrestling and he can you know avoid being hit. So he's not Derek Lewis 2.0, but he's definitely better than Derek Lewis skill-wise and still has that big power, still never out of a fight. And the Andre Lossky was a perfect example. Andre Lossky was better, was piecing him up, and then Dante Mays, boink, I win. And with Dante being that guy, I have to break down this fight the same way I would the Derek Lewis fight. He's not going to be the more skilled fighter here. He's probably going to be the better striker, but he's not going to be the more skilled fighter overall. So Rodrigo should win, but Dantel can land that big power at any time. Rodrigo's going to be the pick. Do not bet on sloppy heavyweight fights. This is one of them. Rodrigo's 10-1 record is impressive. Dantel Mays' power is impressive, but I'm not touching this fight. I'm just going to watch it. We haven't seen a heavyweight fight in a little while, right? So I'm going to watch it. I'm going to look forward to it. Let's hope we get a round line trap. I'm going to tell you right now, over one and a half makes sense here. If, if the bookies sleep on it, and they do a one and a half round line, go ahead and throw the over because I, I don't think this is going to end quickly. I think there's going to be some back and forth. Rodrigo's going to hold him against the cage. Dantel is very tough. He's going to be swinging for the fences, but if he lands, it won't be till later. So over one and a half, if we're lucky enough to get a one and a half round line because the books are like, oh, they're heavyweights. Eh, one and a half. Then we have the second Bonfim brother. The still undefeated Bonfim brother. We got Gabriel Bonfim in the co-main event against Nicholas Dalby. And Gabriel Bonfim's a solid striker, high-level boxing, high-level BJJ. Very similar to his brother. But he's a well-rounded guy, is more than patient. Way more patient than his brother is. But he's more aggressive with his takedowns. When he gets it to the ground, he's methodical. He's got control. He works from position to submission. He's coming off that submission win over Trevin Giles where he only needs one minute to get it to the ground and get it done. He's taking on Nicholas Dalby. He's a karate style. I don't... You can't see all my arms, but I just do. As soon as I do the karate style breakdown, I go like this because they have that wide stance and their arms are way out here, but he's a karate style striker. He's going to stay mobile. He's going to switch stances back and forth. He's got a good amount of power, but he can be hittable himself. He averages more than one takedown per fight, but he does have a very low 31% takedown accuracy. His striking is just okay. His grappling is just okay. And all in all, he's a pretty well-rounded guy who's going to work hard, but he's not very dangerous. He's coming off that decision win over Muslim Salikov where he had two takedowns but was also taken down twice. Nicholas Dalby did play spoiler in that last fight. He closed at a round at plus 170, so almost a 2-1 to one underdog. But I don't see that here. Unlike Salikov, who Dalby just beat, Gabriel's not going to give him room to breathe at all. I see Gabriel coming forward. He's going to grapple early, get the win. Dalby is tough, so this could go to a decision which... Gabriel has not done yet, which can be worrisome, right? 15 and 0, 15 stoppages. All of a sudden, we're in the second round, third round. I Maybe Gabriel's going to be exhausted and have no idea what to do with himself, but I'm going to trust him. They did this matchup for a reason. It's the co-main event in Sao Paulo for a reason. I'm going to trust the process. I'm going to trust the undefeated 26-year-old pro, uh, prospect here. So Gabriel's going to be the pick, and I personally think he's safe to parlay. And then finally, we have the main event of the evening. We have Jolton Almeida 
for Jayunton, Almeida taking on Derek Lewis. This wasn't the original fight. It was supposed to be Jonathan Almeida versus Curtis Blades. Curtis Blades is out. Derek Lewis is in. I would have been far more interested in the Curtis Blades fight because let's see what happens when he fights another wrestler. But we're going to see what happens if he gets chinned a little bit. So anyway, we got Jonathan Almeida. This guy's a savage. He has not looked like an actual living, breathing human being yet in the UFC. He's got powerful hands, incredible grappling. All of his wins are by stoppage, and that's just from nonstop pressure. He's going to come in hot, relentlessly work for takedowns. Once he's on the ground, he's going to chase submissions. He's going to hit you in those transitions. He has only ever been to one single decision in his career. He has yet to see a third round in the UFC. So we would only be making assumptions if we talked about his cardio, but I don't think cardio is going to matter in this fight. Because we all know that by now, Derek Lewis is the guy. He's got more knockouts than anybody else in heavyweight history. I think than anybody else in UFC history. His game has not evolved physically. He has ups and downs. He did look great in his last fight. Wild flying knee. The fact that he, he gets his big ass up that high to throw that knee is absolutely incredible. He, I mean, they didn't even get to the center of the eye. Boom! Just threw that knee and got it done. But Derek Lewis, all boxing. He's not really, he'll throw a couple of kicks and he'll send them, but they're slow and you see him coming. He's going to look to defend takedowns. He's going to come out the same way he came out against Curtis Blades. This right arm is going to be loaded, looking for an uppercut. He's going to swing a wild uppercut. He's going to look for a flying knee, especially he just had one. Derek Lewis could knock out a horse. Jolton Almeida could take down a horse. It's striker versus grappler. There's no other way about this. And honestly, like every other Derek Lewis breakdown, You'd be kind of crazy to not throw a little flyer on him or not look at it a little bit. But Jolton Almeida is going to win this fight. I, I genuinely believe Jolton Almeida will be the heavyweight champion next year. I think he blows through Derek Lewis. They'll give him somebody else. He'll blow through that person. And it might be him versus Sergey Pavlovic. We haven't seen, we're gonna, you know, we haven't seen Sergey have to defend the takedown yet. But man, at the heavyweight division, Jolton Almeida's got some of the best takedowns. Curtis Blades has very good takedowns. Of A, he hasn't used them in a while. And B, he like shoots and has to work. Joel Nomeda is just boom, right through you because he's so strong, so athletic, so fast. He's big. This guy was a light heavyweight and he's still 6'3". He's a monster. I think Joel Nomeda gets it done. Right now he's minus 475. I think he should be minus 900. But re really? Yes, of course Derek Lewis can win by knockout. That's Derek Lewis. That's why we love him. That's why we love watching Derek Lewis fights. But minus 475, that line's not going to last very long. I absolutely trust Jolton Almeida here. I think he's parlayable. All of those things. Hopefully we don't have some Grant Dawson softer than baby poop nonsense going on here. But I think we can trust Jolton Almeida. Guys, that's the breakdown. Become a premium member. You're going to unlock the safety parlay. This is how well we did at UFC 294. But let's shift to the safety parlay. Overall, we have had... 20 units of net profit in 11 months. We haven't even done the safety parlay for a full year. In 11 months, we have had 20 units of net profit. That averages out to 2.14 units each and every single month from the safety parlay alone. That's only available to premium members. You can unlock that for this card. I actually have three legs. So that's two different parlays for this card. Just go to weonpicks.com, click become a member. You're also going to unlock the line movement tracker, the detailed data metrics and analytics. You're going to unlock the courses that'll teach you how to do things. If you're new to this space, you don't know what DraftKings Fantasy is, we'll have some betting courses soon as well. 
All of that is available for you to learn, to look into. There's a glossary. Hey, what the hell does GPP mean? Well, we got all that for you right there. You're also going to unlock more than just me and Jacob. You're going to get my stuff, Jacob's stuff. The three people from Running Mouth, you're going to get Artem. You're going to get the Pick Doctor. And when you're done absorbing all the stuff, you can send something. We started opening up fan mail on the Fight Foods vlogs. I, As I mentioned in the beginning of this video, somebody asked me my spice tolerance level and the address. So I imagine I'm going to be in a world of hurt. I am. We'll give it a try. If it's horrible, I'm going to have to implement some rules what gets sent. But either way, this is the P.O. Box if you want to send something. And don't forget to follow all of our socials. Last week, we did all of our content except this one video on our second YouTube channel. We want that channel to grow so that when we start to do different content, when we start to expand to different sports, we have two different channels to mix and match and to move things. We want picks.com. Click become a member. You open the description of this video, scroll your way down. You will see the links to all of these social guys. Thank you so much. Like, subscribe, do all the things.